Amen. All right, let's get into it. We're into the 21st episode of our Trailblazer series. Church, can you say Trailblazer? Trailblazer. I got this uh, device here. It's, it's called a phone. It's like a supercomputer that uh, many of us keep in our pockets. And, and uh, I don't think many of us actually use this phone to actually phone people very often. It's, uh, it's probably the least used portion of your phone. Um, I, I, was, I, I wanted to encourage everyone today that if you haven't seen someone in a long time or maybe you see someone here today, why don't you give them a phone call this week, connect with them, invite them for coffee or, or just say hi and say, hey, I'm thinking about you and praying for you. And uh, it's a very nice personal thing that you could do. And uh, the, when I was a young 20-year-old, I, I w- did something pretty old school too. I, I actually wrote letters to my my girlfriend at the time, Liana, uh, we were just dating, and I wrote letters, and I thought that was a pretty slick, you know, pretty nice, uh, old school, sweet thing to do, and um, I thought that's old school. Well, I think the phone call has almost become as as archaic as the the letter writing, and and, um, so why don't you give someone a phone call this week? I know a lot of people like to use the FaceTime or the the video chat. You could do that too, but um, I just encourage you, give someone a phone call this week. So, like I said, this is our 21st section of our Trailblazer series. It's actually our second last episode of this series. I can't believe it. Uh, next week will be our Trailblazer finale. And, and basically, this, this whole series has been about the writings of Luke. Luke is the author of the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He is a very unique writer because he's the only writer in the New Testament that is a theologian and a historian. The way he writes is for the reader to understand a message in a deeper way. It's a very interesting thing. He's not just recording history. Um, we learned a word throughout this series, a German word from my late... Um, uh, professor Dr. Roger Stronsad, he taught this to me in college. Um, he's a man of many languages. He's a great theologian, great man of God. Uh, now he's with, now he's with, now he's hanging out with Jesus right now in heaven. And and he taught me this word because he said that the English language, every other language he knows, um, didn't have a word that really describes Luke's writing. And this word was Heilsgeschichte. It's a German word. It is. It, it basically stands for salvation. History, that, has, that, that is what Luke's writing is about. It's salvation history. And what we've learned through the book of Luke and, and, and the book of Acts, we've seen, the, we've seen the life of Jesus. We see how Jesus has trailblazed the way for uh, us, for how we are to live our lives, how we're supposed to lead in our lives, that Jesus um, lived a life of selflessness when the world tells us to be, and our human desires are selfish, Jesus says, no, don't live for yourself. You're going to live selfless. You're going to serve as Jesus served. And um, that's what we're called to do. And, and throughout the, the writings of Luke, we also see the, the theme of the activity of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit upon Jesus and upon, other, uh, upon the apostles. And we see some of the others that were Holy Spirit filled as well. We've looked at the life of Stephen and we've looked at the life of Philip for a couple weeks, two weeks, uh, or I guess three weeks ago, we uh, started with Philip and we saw Philip basically bring a, uh, a mini revival to Samaria and, and the good news that 
was spread from there. And, and this last week, uh, I, I, I titled the sermon, A Eunuch Experience. Instead of a unique experience, it was a eunuch experience. As Philip was called by God to go down a desert road, you're not, he wasn't told what the purpose of going down that desert road was, but Philip, who was so convinced of the gospel, so hungry for more and to follow God, he, he followed. He said, I'm going to go down this desert road. Didn't know what to expect. And, and he ended up uh, finding a stranger, this Ethiopian eunuch. He's an official treasurer of, uh, of the queen of Ethiopia. And, and he got to minister the gospel to this Ethiopian official. And, and through all that, this Ethiopian official became a, 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 a Christian, was baptized. Got to, he got to baptize him in water. And this Ethiopian official, he brought the gospel back to Africa. He brought the gospel to Ethiopia, and it wildfired through Ethiopia and beyond. It's amazing. Today, we're going to look at one guy who we already know who's spirit-filled, and one guy that uh, is a little unexpected. And our, our passage today is, is in Acts chapter 9, starting in, in verse 1 to all the way about 22. I'm not going to read all the verses. I will give a summary, but if you want to open it up in your Bibles, you can follow along uh, the way I summarize. You should be able to follow along as well. So Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Um, you know what? Before we, we dive into the Word, let's just pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, I pray that you turn my voice down, turn your voice up. Let us hear from you. In your name I pray, amen. So this passage starts out by this guy named Saul. Church, can you say, here comes Saul? Oh, you can do a little bit better. Here comes Saul. Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. This is who Saul was. Saul wanted to rid the world of Christianity, of all things Christianity. He was going to put people in prison. doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you're being put in prison, or you're going to be put to death. Paul wanted it rid enough. That's, uh, Saul wanted it rid enough. And um, the, the, the passage continues on. He's on this road to Damascus, and, and on, along his way, there's this bright, shining light from heaven that fell, fell upon him. Let's look at verse 4 together. It says, He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Verse 5 says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Passage continues on, and, and Saul gets up, and he tries to open up his eyes, but his eyes are shut. He's not able to see, and it says that his, his whole crew walked with him and brought him to Damascus by hand. And then in Damascus, he, uh, uh, there was this disciple named Ananias, and Ananias is the one that we know that's already filled with the Spirit. He's following God. He's convinced of the gospel. He knows that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's the Messiah, the name above all names, Emmanuel, blessed redeemer. That's who Ananias knows Jesus as. And Ananias answered the call from, from, from Jesus and from, from, from God, and, and, and he told him to go to the house of Judas on, on Front Street, I mean Straight Street, and ask for a man for, uh, from, from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. 
And Ananias was very comprehensive because, uh, apprehensive, sorry, was very apprehensive because he knows all about Saul. He knows that Saul is the chief persecutor of Christians. And, 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 and God's asking him to go face to face with this guy, the guy who wants to imprison all his friends or put to death all of his friends and family and uh, wants to rid ever, the world of Christianity. God is calling him to go face to face with him and tell him about the love and hope of Jesus, the hope and love that you can't find in this world. It's an outer worldly hope and love. And you got to go and, go, and, go and share that with Saul. And, and, and the Lord told Ananias, I know you're worried, but go. Go and follow my command. I'm going to use Saul as my chosen instrument to proclaim the gospel. And, and you continue on in the passage. And, and what we see is uh, uh, this amazing... Uh, uh, exchange where Ananias goes and lays his hands on Saul's face and, 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 and his, it says it's like scales came off of his face and they dropped to the ground and, and, and Saul could see again and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and, and he spent several days after with the disciples in Damascus and I love this. It says in verse 20, at once he began to preach in the, in the synagogues, that Jesus is the Son of God. He, he did not wait. He knew at once he had to go and, and share the good news and proving that Jesus is the Messiah. That's our passage this morning. And, and I got three points for you. Classic three-point message. And uh, what I, what, what's something different and what's unique about it is that they, uh, they are all phone call themed, all right? Hopefully that helps us remember throughout the week uh, what we're learning this morning. Amen? The first point this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. You can write this down. It's an unexpected call. An unexpected call. Anyone in the house have an unexpected call before? Yeah, a couple people before. Yeah, anyone online? You guys can put it in the chat if you've had an unexpected call. I can see, I can see your chat here too. And um, yeah, I, I've definitely had some very unexpected calls, especially joining the ministry um, in 2014 is when I graduated, no, 2013, I guess, is when I technically graduated from Bible College. 2014, I started the, my, my ministry career, and uh, it's been really interesting having calls from my past. Um, it's been very cool for the most part. Most people just want to say hi. Some people want to ask for a prayer. Some people, uh, one person in particular asked for money, and I was like, well, you know, silver and gold, I have none. But I got a gift for you, let me tell you. And I was about to tell him the gift and, and hang up on the phone was right there. And unfortunately, he didn't pick up my calls after that. Um, that's, just, that's just how it went. But it's very cool to have people from my past call me because they know my history. They know where I was from and what I did. And it's a history which I have uh, pretty much, I'm not proud of in any kind of way. And looking back on my own history and, and the mistakes I've made and the selfish way I lived, I, I get mixed, mixed feelings about how I lived. One of the feelings is, man, how could I have been such a dum-dum? I've did so many bad things, so many foolish things. And I see God's hand in, through it all and keeping me safe, even though I was so foolish. And then the other mixed feeling I have is, wow, I am so thankful for God's grace. There's something just I, there's a grace I don't deserve, and I'm so thankful for it, and it's amazing. You know, uh, there, there's a, it reminded me when I was when I was talking about grace and, and, and going through our passage this week, it reminded me of story of Louis Zamperini. Z Louis Zamperini is uh, is a 
I'll just share the story with you, okay? He was, uh, he, he's an Olympian. Um, he was an Olympian, and uh, he became a prisoner of war. I'll start from the beginning. As a boy, Louis Zamperini was always in trouble. But with the help of his older brother, he turns his life around, channels his energy into running. He was a runner, and he qualified for the 1936 Olympics. World War II breaks out, and, and Louis enlists to the military, and his plane that he was on actually crashes and he spends 47 days adrift on a raft. Now, after 47 days on a raft in the ocean, you think like, you know, when, when, when someone comes, picks you up, it's like, yes, I am saved. But unfortunately for Louis, he was captured by the Japanese Navy, which who they're in war with. So he got sent to a prisoner of war camp. And because of Louis's status as an Olympian, he became a very quick favorite to the camp commander. The camp commander was Mutsuhiro Watanabe. And, and, and he took special attention to Louis Zamperini. And he, with, with special attention at a prisoner of war camp, that means extra daily beatings, uh, being starved a little bit more. He was the example set for the rest of the prisoners to stay in line. The regular punching bag he was. And there was something about Louis Zamperini's uh, uh, will to survive and, and to withstand all this extra attacks. It, it almost infuriated Watanabe even more. And, and one of the final parts of the story is, is basically uh, uh, Watanabe's at the end of his rope and he's, he gives an ultimatum to Louis Zamperini. He, he says, you're going to hold this log above your head and if you let that log drop, you're going to be shot on the spot. And Louis Zamperini, he's already beaten up, already exhausted, already starving. He's able to muster up enough strength to get the log above his head. And he holds that log up above his head as long as he possibly has to. He's holding it and holding it and holding it. And and you can kind of see uh, uh, his peers uh, uh, cheering him on and and lifting him up. And and, and it infuriates Watanabe. He gets so sick of it that he, he rushes in and he starts beating, beating up uh, uh, Louis is, uh, in a very, very harsh way. And while beating him up, he almost has a, a, a moment of like, wow, whatever I throw at this guy, uh, he, he just withstands these attacks. Now, soon after that, the war ends and the American bombers fly over the Japanese homeland and the prisoners are free. And what Louis Zamperini does, he spends the remainder of his life as an outspoken Christian preferring the gift of forgiveness over the gift over the that of revenge he even took part of the winter olympic games that were held in nagano japan and many years after the war still he still extended forgiveness to watanabe now i think in the movie there's a movie called unbroken that they made um, uh, it, it talks about how they did connect, and there was a forgiveness there. I'm not sure if that's totally true. The, some of the stuff in the history books that I saw is that uh, Watanabe refused to actually meet with him. But the fact is, Louis Zamperini, he, he extended that forgiveness to the one who oppressed him. He died in 2014 when they actually released that movie at the age of 97. Now, church, I think this is an amazing snapshot of God's grace. As Louis Zamperini was preaching forgiveness, that, 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 that having forgiveness for, for, for uh, Watanabe uh, was only possible through the power and strength of God. It's because of God's power, it's because of God's grace for him that he's even able to forgive. We see in our passage today Saul. Saul's the one who's breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. 
imprisoning and killing Christians, fueled by hatred and wickedness. He was determined to eliminate all Christians off the face of the earth. But Saul, he experienced an unexpected call. The light from heaven flashed around him, and his crew of people, they could hear the voice of Jesus as Saul heard, Why, Saul, why do you persecute me? I, I, I hope this speaks to everyone here today, anyone who can hear these words. That even if your past, if, if your history, or, or even where you're at right now, if, if uh, maybe you're fueled by hatred like I was, or, or fueled by wickedness, or, or maybe you're from a different religion, or maybe you're from an atheistic background. Maybe you think that you don't qualify because how could God, if God is even real, love and forgive me? If this whole Jesus is the Messiah thing is true, there's no way he would even actually know who I am or even, even have a thought of forgiving me. And, and, and church, every single day, every single day I have, I have those thoughts. I'm, I'm reminded, in, it's in my daily prayers as I seek the Lord, as I, as I, as I ask him and I thank him for, for, for his grace. I'm so thankful for the grace that I do not deserve. I don't deserve any of that grace. My debt was so big that I, don't ha- I did not have the ability, I don't even have the possibility of, of paying off the debt I owe because of my sin. And because of my sin, my sentence was death. But, bec- but because of grace, I have new life. And if you're hearing this today, this also goes for you. No matter your history or what you deserve, what you're owed is a sentence of death. That is the price of sin. But because of grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse our sins. If you choose to ask God for forgiveness, to turn from your many mistakes or or your checkered history, he wants to have this beautiful, loving, growing relationship with you. He wants to build you up. He wants to let you succeed here on this earth in your temporary life. I want you to know that you qualify for all that. Church, if you're with me, can you say, I'm qualified? I'm qualified. God intended your life to be this way. God sees through all the history. God sees through all the the red in your ledger, quote unquote. God sees for how he intended you. Because he loves you. And whether you love him back or not, he still chooses to love you. It's your choice to make, to receive his gift. You know, our scripture shows the chief hater and persecutor of God's people. His kill count was over the, off the charts, persecution count off the charts, oppression count off the charts, and God still chose that guy. Can you imagine that? I don't want you to forget for one moment that you are qualified. You are chosen. It doesn't matter of your history. You qualify for the grace and love of God. It's up to you to take the step of faith and accept it and receive it. God desires that for you so badly. He wants to have that loving relationship with you. Second point this morning, if you're taking notes, you can write it down, is I think you got the wrong number. I don't know if uh, for anyone else, but for me over the last 
at least three years, I've definitely got a lot of spam phone calls. I've, I've gotten a lot of calls for my attic to be cleaned, uh, and I've gotten a lot of calls uh, um, with people speaking in either Mandarin or Cantonese. I don't know what they're saying, and uh, I have no idea what's going on with all these spam calls. I even block every time they call, and I still get more. I don't know how it happens. And uh, I, I think before, uh, before I got a Toronto number, my Toronto number was... Uh, definitely with someone who was an Indian guy, because I get a lot of random calls for a guy named Madir, and uh, I, I, sometimes I have a little bit of fun with them. You know, I pretend to be Madir and I speak an Indian accent, and and the conversation keep the conversation going for a little while, but I usually end it with I think you got the wrong number. You know, we see in our passage this disciple named Ananias. You know, French for pineapple. Well. It's close to that, I think. Uh, It says, the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him to go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come to the place and laid his hands on him and restored his sight. In verse 13, we can look at it together. It says, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man, all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. Verse 14 says, and he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. And, and the Lord told Ananias, doesn't matter, all that stuff, go. I'm choosing this man to be the instrument to proclaim the gospel. And church, I love that. I love that as in humanity, we could never choose a guy like Saul, to the, the, the chief persecutor of Christians, to then be, become the, the, one of the most influential missionaries and, 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 and sh- of sharing the gospel in the whole world. We, won't, we, we can't operate like that. That's like impossible to us. It's only possible through God, and I'm so glad God doesn't operate in our parameters. God can do the impossible. God used him to reach so many. He's actually still reaching so many through the Holy Scripture, through our, through our words, uh, through, our words uh, through his Holy Scriptures to this day and beyond. Because nothing is impossible with God. There's no such thing as God having the wrong number. Leads us to our last point today, which is when the phone's ringing, point three is answer the call. God called on Ananias, and even though it seemed crazy, Ananias, who is so convinced, so convinced of the gospel, was convinced that God is going to lead him through this, that, that even if he has to talk face-to-face with the, the chief persecutor of all Christians, he's got to go up to him and, and say, hey, there's this, this, this love and hope that's not of this world, and, and you qualify for it, and, and, and you um, are, are, are going to share it to the rest of the world. He gets to go face-to-face with that guy. Verse 17 says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Church, I think in this conversion story of, of Saul, we're, we're going to learn a little bit more about the life of Saul and, and how when he has his heart changed and, and, and all this kind of stuff that his name will change to Paul. And um, when we learn about the life of Paul, I think we kind of forget the, the, the role Ananias played. Ananias got to lead one of the most evil, wicked people 
to a loving relationship with God. And then you see the impact of Paul's life on generations and generations to come. Church, even if our job is to minister to the one, the one person, God can use that person to build Jesus into the generations to come. Amen? And after Saul regained his strength, he said he spent several days with his disciples. And I love what it says in verse 20. It says, at once, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. So imagine hearing the word of God shared by one of the, uh, one of the people that have been trying to kill you, the leader of, of, of that movement. I really believe that's only a thing God could do. Church, I'm a living testimony of it. Many in this room or online are living testimonies of that grace. Our Lord and Savior, he may give you a call along the way as well. Maybe it'll be a challenging call to, to go and, and minister to, to the super evil person whose, whose uh, identity is to remove Christianity from the face of this earth. Maybe he's going to call you to minister to the multitudes. Maybe he's going to call you to, to, to minister to your family and your friends or your workplace or your school. The fact is that he will call. I pray that we answer that call. You know, many times in my life I've ignored it. Many times I've let it go to voicemail and I've missed opportunities. I don't know if it was from laziness or from fear or from selfishness. Whatever it is, I pray that we do not let our worldly desires get in the way. Let God increase our faith. As we've been worshiping and praising his name, Lord, I pray that you increase our faith today. Let us rely on your strength, God. Let's let the Holy Spirit lead us and, and make the way for us and, and, and let us faithfully answer the call. Let's follow through with what God has in store for us. With all eyes closed and every head bowed, I, I just wanted to pray for you, for, for everyone here. I wanted to pray for anyone who may be struggling with, uh, with their identity, with, with thinking that they're not worthy, with thinking that they don't qualify. Maybe they're going through the feelings of saying they're, they're full, they, they, have a, they have so much red in their ledger. Maybe you're going through the, the, the attack on the mind where you're going through just depression and anxiety or overwhelmed with stress. I just want to pray right now for anyone who's, who's going through those challenges right now. I just want to pray for God's peace to overflow upon them. I pray for God's touch upon them this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we seek your face, remind us this morning that we qualify. You want to have this loving growing relationship with us, God. And that we, we are called to share about this love and hope that you have for us with someone who needs to hear it. God, I pray that you open up an opportunity for us this week 
to speak into someone's life and share about this outer-worldly love and hope. You can't find it in this world, Lord. You can only find it in you. And, and people are searching their whole lives for it, Lord. I pray that you open the door for us to speak it into someone's life to, this week. Lord, we thank you for your grace, that we all qualify for your grace, God. We can never repay the debt that we owe, Lord, but you did. You sent your son to die for us, to pay that price for us, God. And there's victory in it all because, Jesus, you conquered death. And we thank you, Lord, for, for giving us a chance at new life with you. And if there's anyone here this morning that wants to start that relationship with him, whether you're in person or online, you can just pray this prayer with me. Lord, Heavenly Father, please forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to live for you. Take away my selfish desires. Replace them with selflessness, God. Help me to honor you with all that I do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen, church. Ernest, if uh, maybe you come on up, you lead us in one more chorus as we, uh, as we wrap up this morning. If you're able, church, why don't you stand with me? And... Uh...